Welcome to Teacher Talks at Valdosta State University with your host, Dr. Forrest Parker, brought to you by the Dewar College of Education and Human Services and the Department of Teacher Education at Valdosta State University. Welcome to our very first uh, podcast here at Valdosta State University, filmed in front of a very exciting and good-looking audience here of teacher candidates. Let me get a, oh yeah! Oh yeah! There you go, now you know it's real, now you know it's real. So this is uh, a new podcast through Valdosta State University Teacher Education, a podcast made by teachers for teachers. Our very first guest is Dr. Payne. How are you today, Dr. I'm doing Payne? great. I'm so excited to be here on the inaugural launch of the podcast. That's right. That's, she actually gave me the first one. Full disclosure for everybody. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Payne, you wrote a blog um, about being flexible. And all the students in this uh, class read it and commented on it. And um, But before we start talking about your blog, can you first just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. <clears throat> so... I'm a veteran educator. This is beginning year 29 of teaching in some sort and in some capacity. I'm a non-traditional student who finished high who finished uh, college about 10 years after high school. I'm a first-generation college student, the first person in my family to ever receive a college degree, much less four different degrees. And what what um, made you want to be a teacher? So. I always knew I was going to be a teacher, always, my whole life. I had the smartest baby dolls on the block because they attended school every day. I have photos of, I had a little chalkboard and I was, even before I could write letters, I was just trying to, you know, express something on a chalkboard. So this was really the only pathway that I felt comfortable with for my life, even though it took a while for me to get there. Um, again, being a non-traditional and a first-gen student, I worked my way through school, and it just didn't happen overnight. I was um, I'm a United States Air Force veteran. Um, then I worked part-time, and then I was working full-time and had to actually quit and go part-time in order to finish school. So I understand when people say it's been a long journey. I can I can certainly relate to that. Um, so what, what areas did you teach? What subjects, what grade levels did you teach? So my background really is in literacy and middle grades uh, and high school. I've taught high school and middle grades 6 through 12, but I am a, an ELA girl. That's my, my um, background. Um, again, I did instructional coaching or instructional lead teacher for about eight years before I made the jump to higher ed. And then in higher ed, I work in, the, in middle grades. I deal with a a variety of assessment courses, a variety of tech courses. When you get to when you get to higher ed, people say, "Oh, what do you teach?" And my answer is, "Whatever ends up in the schedule for me to teach." <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, um, but and currently, I'm back into a leadership role as the department head. So, have you always been in Valdosta? <clears throat> no, I started. I'm originally from Alabama in North Alabama, and then um, I taught in Macon. I've taught at a maximum security prison to lifelong inmates who were trying to get a GED to even go before a parole board. I've taught adult education at Wiregrass Technical College, and then um, locally in the Valdosta City School System for 17 years. This is all new information for me, actually. <laughs> this is good to know. 
So, uh, focusing back to your blog about <laughs> flexibility, um, you brought up the importance of for teachers to be flexible. Um, why did you pick this top? Because you did get to pick this top. I, didn't I did. Tell you what it did. <clears throat> no. so why, why, why did you think this was important for new teachers to hear? The reason that I went down the flexible pathway is because I truly believe that's what helps teachers to, I don't want to say survive, but maybe thrive in, in the climate and culture of what a school looks like. Um, so many times we get a little stoic in our ideas of this is what I have to do, this is where I have to be, this is what I have to accomplish, this is where I've got to end up that we fail to realize that in schools, they're living and breathing entities with lots of bodies and lots of um, external stimuli that's hitting those classrooms and yourselves. And so when you allow yourself to be flexible, when you can hang on to what that means and how that, that flexibility allows you to sometimes take a step back and breathe, that it really helps you to have that sustained um, uh, ability to move through whatever lands in your plate that day. Because I think, like I mentioned in the blog, those students come in every day and they're different. We don't know what happened in their homes. We don't know what happened to the ride on the bus or at the bus stop or in the vehicle when they got home. And so that impacts your classroom. And taking all that into consideration really does help you to, to make the best instructional decisions for that class on that day. So true. <clears throat> Have you um, ever seen another teacher, uh, you know, you've been in for 29 years, but have you seen other teachers who, because of them being inflexible, it caused them to burn out? Oh, sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, absolutely. It's, it's because when, when I see teachers, and I've worked with many teachers under this, under really the, this problem, it is a problem, when you don't accept students for who they are, when you try to impose your own judgment or your own self-will onto students, and, and you don't take students for what they bring into the classroom, it just causes you stress instead of taking that, the wonderful things that students bring in and, and using that for the benefit of everybody. Um, and, and we know that the school culture changes. Societal cultures change. It changes hard. Change is hard. Change is hard. But when you're flexible and, and you, you understand that change happens, then you're, then it's not that you're, you know, undoing who you are. You're able to take in more and understand more and relate better and, and really use the strengths of all of those students and those colleagues, okay, I'm not talking about students, but your colleagues and your new administrators and your new assistant principals and, and move forward in a positive manner. Doesn't mean that every day will go well. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not Pollyanna about it at all. But, but if, you, if you fail to realize that change is a part of education, and you don't accept that flexible um, outcome, or, or you know, you don't take that, okay, I need to be a little flexible on this, I need to step back and think, then it's just stressful. 
and, and it, which could accelerate burnout. Um, and to me, burnout happens when you fail to see change, you fail to understand change, you fail to be flexible, and you fail to take time for yourself. And, and sometimes that's also being flexible by saying, I need to step back, I need some time for myself, I've got to quit taking all this home because we take home the school. We take home our students. We take home so much on our shoulders that you've got to be flexible enough to say, I, I need to leave this at the door now. Yeah, that can be hard sometimes. When you have to step to grade late, you know, the students are counting on you to hear stuff. It's hard to just, you know, leave all that at the door, especially the trauma that students bring in. Absolutely. Do you, have any, do you have any other tips for how, how we can manage our, our own stress and leave things at the door? So one of the things that I've always done, and I still do this today, um, I, I don't work at home. I have that flexibility. Okay, so I don't have to run home to children. I don't have to run home to try to manage a home schedule. I mean, I, I mean, I'm you know, I've got a great spouse who supports everything that I do. But I made the decision very early on that I work at school. That's where I work. And I have the ability to stay late. I could stay very late if I wanted to. I, I could determine what days I needed to stay late when I was in K-12. And believe it or not, mine was on a Friday. And there would be many, many Fridays that I would be the last one in the building. Or I may be there with the custodial staff. They would come down the hall and they'd say, Miss Payne, because I had the house of pain. And they'd say, it's time to close that house of pain down. Um, so because it, it was so important to me as a teacher to open up Monday and have the entire week ready to rock and roll. Whether that was ready with poppies, whether that was ready with tests, whatever that meant. And so Friday was just a good day for me. There was not a lot of people in the building. People kind of got out fast. Um, and so, you know, but, but I know that that's, that's not the same schedule that anybody and everybody could work. Maybe yours is I need to put children to bed earlier and then I can take a couple of hours and do some work. You, you do have to create what's good for you and what works in your environment. But I, I just choose not to work at home. And I, to this, I mean, so when I go home now, I just have to leave it here and I'll think, okay, I'll, I'll pick it up tomorrow. It's a good practice. I'm glad you said that. When I was a full-time teacher and I went back to graduate school, I had two young kids. I was working full-time as a teacher. And for me, the time of day that I got everything done was before my kids were there. I made myself get up early in the first hour or two of the day. I'm a morning Ooh, I person. Couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. No, I couldn't do that. But that's what I would do. So I had the first hour or two of the day to just breathe. Everything was quiet in the house before I went to work, and uh, that's when I got everything done. Mm -hmm. But then my afternoons with my kids, I still had that. That's right. And I do think that you just have to you have to find that that sweet spot that works for you, whether that's in the building, at your home, whatever that looks like. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, Dr. Payne is going to admit some of her own personal weaknesses as it comes to being flexible. Okay, we are back with our very special guest, Dr. Payne, um, talking about being flexible. So, Dr. Payne, I was thinking over our break, uh, can you think of a time, you're talking about how flexible we all should be, can you think of a time that you failed 
at being flexible and, and what was that like? What was the effect of that? It, it's not really about a time that I could, it's really about which one will I pick, okay? <laughs> which story will you which tell? Which story can admit I tell? To. That's story right. Admit to. <laughs> so a couple, a couple of times, one that is, and I, I really did look at two different, very different scenarios. One that didn't have great ramifications is I used to be quite inflexible with late work. Okay, do y'all mean? So it was like, if you turn into something, don't even think about turning into something late. I don't really care what you've done. I, I mean, and it wasn't 10 points a day, it was 11 points a day because you're not going to make an A and turn it in late. The best you could do is 89. That's pretty inflexible to me now that I think about it because, first of all, children. You, when you realize what happens to children when they leave the building sometimes, you, you need to really consider. And some of that is they, the students that I had, I, I did work in, um, in a, multiple schools that the student population would be considered in a lower socioeconomic um, households, um, very much high free and reduced lunch populations. And so a lot of those students when they went home and they arrived home, they were on their second job. Whether it was caring for other students, whether it was trying to um, maintain some kind of civility at home, whether it was that they were that they were unsupervised and hit the streets. Okay, that that's, it was as real also. And 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 so I really had to, to take a serious look at okay, why am I so rigid about this? Tuesday at 9 a.m., okay, why could, you know, what about if it's Tuesday or Wednesday, or what about if you came to me and said, hey, Ms. Payne, really, I, could I have an extra day? I need it, okay, and, and who, should I really judge on the why? So I, that was one area that I decided, okay, you need to quit being so rigid. And the other thing with that, um, even though I believe that we're trying and we, we have the responsibility to teach students how to be accountable and how to be, um, how, how to really gain responsibility and how to, you know, to take that responsible behavior and gain that, timeliness wasn't in my standards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so even though I do believe that we, that we should teach how accountability in our students. Timeliness wasn't in my standards, and so I needed to rethink that. And then the other real, this, was, this one was much tougher, and as a new teacher, I don't know that I would have the ability to do this now, but I really started pushing back on testing, a, living in a testing culture in a school. And, and so one of the times when, when, so I became a little bit more flexible putting students' needs before testing needs. And, and trying to have more conversations about, here's what my data is showing. Here is what I see. And when you ask me to push forward and to continue on this pathway to finish before this certain time period, I'm not doing my students really justice. That would have been difficult as a first year teacher and I, and I truly understand that. But as you grow and as you mature in the field, 
you always remember that the students come first. That's who you make instructional decisions for. That's who's at the center of everything that you do. Um, it's not a test, and it's not, they're, they're not little testing machines. And that kind of leads me to my next question is, are there other things that teachers should not be flexible on? Are there any like hard and fast things that no, I will not give on these <coughs> things? It, yes, first and foremost, the safety of a child. That, that is a hard rule. Safety is first. And sometimes students don't understand that and children may not understand that, but that is a hard, fast rule, safety first. And very unfortunately, we see across our country how how what can happen in schools and it's it rips it still rips my heart out every single time when we see an incident at a school so safety is always first and then the other thing that is in hard fast you will never be inflexible is mandated reporting okay you, you cannot and, and you don't know I have had a situation where um, there was I had a student and she had a black eye and um, so we we talked about it, and she said, "Oh, I, I got hit in the I got hit in the face with a softball." But I was unsure, and and I just went and told the counselor. I said, "I need you to. I, I'm telling you this. This is what I see. This is what I hear." And sure enough, it was not a softball. Now I don't know what happened. I was, you know, I'm not privileged, and I don't want to know. But it, it is true. When you see something, you say something. Um, and, and to me, th those are two very big ideas. And then again, I also have to think that you have to understand your own integrity and what you will and will not tolerate. Um, whether that's someone's asking you to change a grade, someone comes to you and says, oh, but you know, he can't play football or baseball or she, you know, she can't play soccer this week. Or You have to realize your own integrity and where you're going to draw the line and what you'll say, I, I'm not willing to do that. Now, if somebody else does that, and it, you know, but I'm not willing to do that. Um, because there are better ways to handle that. There are better lessons that a student can learn whenever you keep to your integrity. Yeah. That's very true. A lot of, a lot of good examples <clears throat> there. Some of it think of, about mandated reporter. You never know. You never know. And it only takes one time for you not to report. And it costs you everything. So. And, you know, and with that, a lot of students, and listen, we, again, because students are so exposed to so much with, with social media, and they'll say things that they really, that they're just kind of saying, blowing off. Oh, I, you know, when I get home, I just might kill myself because I'm just tired of all this. Okay, they really may just be blowing off steam. And I don't care if it's 310 and they're getting on the bus. Oh, no, ma'am. We're off the bus. We're in the building. We're at the counselor's office, okay? Because it, you can, because what happens if that child was really crying out for help and didn't, you know? And then if something happened, it, you would feel. I mean, it's devastating. It's devastating. I had a child who committed a student of mine committed suicide, and it was during the summer. But I still to this day wonder and and wish so so much that he would just have. Of course, at that time it would have been a you know it would have been a cell phone. But if he could have just reached out, and I remember every day after school, every day we would high five. But I, was, I, mean, I remember that, and it, I just think if I could have at that one moment. Um, but obviously, you, you know, you can't be everywhere all the time. So that's why I think that mandated reporting is so important. Well, to jump back to a prior topic a bit, um, 
how do you think you know the culture of our students uh, kind of impacts our flexibility? How do how do the differences between us and our students impact how we how we deal with them and how we recognize where we need to be flexible and where we need to be more rigorous? Yeah, that that is that's really tough. It's tough because. Well, it, it, obviously, well, for me, it's tough because there's such a generational gap, you know, and, and, um, like, I'll just tell you, I just, I cannot, even on a college, university, a college campus, when someone walks around and they have no fronts of their blue juice because they're all cut out and it's just a, I don't know how to take that, I, but I know that culturally that's just a real thing and it's okay and people just kind of wear big holes in their pants. <laughs> but I mean, I still struggle with that. But you, being you know, you all are young and and a lot more hip than somebody that's old and been doing this so long. Um, so you think it's something that gets worse, like the as you get older, you you know, the flexibility comes and saying, "I realize that's your thing," and you know, and acknowledge that in your own self that it's so you know, but it. It does impact it. So culture impacts the flexibility because if you're not a lifelong learner, then it becomes harder to be flexible because you have to understand where students are coming from. And it doesn't mean that you lower your standards. It doesn't mean that you reduce your expectations. It doesn't mean that things become less rigorous. It just means that you understand better or you work to understand better. And I think I think you just have to keep that present in your mind that <clears throat> it is a little day that it's different. It's okay. Well, at this time, I want to give you just an opportunity. What else would you like to say to the teacher candidates here in this auditorium, but also you know, people that might listen in future semesters and stuff? What pearls of wisdom do you have? What other comments do you, do you want to impart to everyone? I think the first bit of wisdom that I would tell anyone who has the passion to be a teacher is that it truly still in the 21st century is the best profession it's the best profession uh, I know that that uh, news media social media we hear a lot of negative press about teaching and I know that teachers talk about being burned out let's face it the pandemic was just a horrific time for the pivot but we take that pivot and we grow from it. We take that pivot and we still understand that you that when you have that passionate heart and you love students, it's okay. It's okay. Um, it's a great job. It's family friendly. Uh, some states pay pretty good. You have the ability for um, of promotions, you can, again, you get to be a lifelong learner, you're setting yourself up to a standard that I still believe is very respected. And, and I truly believe that of our candidates, or any candidate, that, that be proud and feel proud that you've chosen this, this job and this profession, it's not really a job, that changes the world. And it really does, and you really can. The, the activities that you'll be involved in, the, the connections that you're going to make in your communities, you have no idea that lasting reach. And, and it's, it's still what I love about being here for 25 years and being in the school system. And now I, I have taught so many students who I taught in the eighth grade. 
or I run into students on campus that I taught in the eighth grade or that they're in the job now and they're working and they're happy and they've got children and you know of course from, from the literacy background the first thing I'll say is you read to that child every day right you read, uh, you do read every day right oh yeah oh you better read that and and you just again it just opens up so many opportunities to um, to change the world and don't ever forget that don't on the really tough days you're still making a difference. And those and some days are very tough. Very. I have great stories about that too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll be another topic. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Payne. Um, uh, we are going to uh, take a quick break and when we come back, we can have some questions from our, our live audience. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks. Teacher Talks at Valdosta State University is produced by Ricky Z Social Media and is brought to you by the Dewar College of Education and Human Services and the Department of Teacher Education at Valdosta State University.